I, I feel really weird all of a sudden. <laughs> oh yeah? You need something? No, it's more like the painkillers worked for like the, while we were watching the movie and now they just left me feeling really foggy and my back hurts. Well, they shouldn't be making you feel foggy. It's not that kind of painkiller. <laughs> they're not, <laughs> I didn't give you a shot of booze. This will take the edge off. I mean, it would, but. <laughs> That's illegal. It would be illegal and it would make the recording the episode very, very fraught. <laughs> I would probably be asleep right now. We're just like throwing up all over the place. <laughs> or like very upset. And your mother would be like yelling at me. <laughs> hey there, everybody, and welcome back to our latest episode of... It's, it's Del, Del Toro, Toro time. time. I'm Phil. And I'm Ollie. And we are going to be talking about... Hellboy. Hellboy, the motion picture from 2004, the year before you were born. 2004 was not the year before I was born. That's three years after you were born. I don't know why I thought you were born in 2005. That's really weird. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know who you are. What are you doing in this house? <laughs> You're not... 13 years old or no how old would you be what year is god it's 2017 i would be 12 yeah you would be you would be 12 i am 15 depending on when you were i mean if you weren't born until 2004 who knows what month that would be in no you said i was born in 2005 oh that's right you would be 12 (laughs) you would be 12 this movie came out on march 30th 2004 it just celebrated its uh little birthday people were going nuts on on twitter about it they were like hellboy came out on march 30th and i was like oh was it like 15 years ago no no it was just it was just 13 years ago it's a weird birthday to get excited about but i guess maybe it's a teenager now a teenager it's entering its adolescent years just like hellboy the character is represented as kind of being a stunted adolescent but he's 60 years old. Right. But you kind of get the idea they treat him kind of like a teenager. Like he ages. Yeah, he, he acts like a teenager. Yeah. He's got this big man body. <clears throat> big red man body. Stop. <laughs> but uh, but he, he kind of has the mind of a teenager. Yeah. He sneaks which, out. He sneaks out. I did quotation marks there. He busts holes in his walls. Yeah. And I guess like that's one of the more confusing aspects of the movie is they really do approach it as he's a teen. Like he's a teen. He's a team that they throw into the middle of battles against giant monsters. Right, because he's got this, like, because he's so impulsive. But I don't feel like they make that clear enough. Like, I think that they could make that a little... You don't want to lean too heavily on that, but also, like, it, for a while, I'm like, they're treating him like a prisoner. Yeah. Like, they lock him up in his room and... But I mean, I guess... if I was a teen and you locked me in my room... I would break out. I think that'd be terrible. That would be locked terrible. In your room. I am a I teen. Mean, not if I was a teen. Right. But if you were a teen locked in a room, that'd be like all like flowers in the attic. Like you'd be like. That would be like Rapunzel. Because she was a teen. Locked in a room. Who had twins. That's a very different story. <laughs> Don't go having twins. Not in your bedroom at least. We have to clean up. No, no. She didn't have twins in her bedroom. She had twins on the island that her evil witch mother th- threw her on after blinding her. No, blinded her boyfriend. Blinded the prince. She was oh, right. blind. He was blind. This didn't happen in Tangled, by the way. No. But your kids watch Tangled. It's a great movie. But uh, we're not talking about Tangled. We're talking about Hellboy. Mr. Mr. Boy. Mr. Mr. Hell, Boy. Mr. Boy. The boy from hell. Hellboy. 
uh, based on Mike Minola's comic of the same name, which uh, is a fascinating comic, is is a, a wonderful read. I love pretty much anything Mike Minola does. I'm a big fan of his work. I highly recommend you get more into his comic book work because he's just really good. Um, I'm more of a squirrel girl type of person, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you like... Uh, you're really interested in mythology mm-hmm. and fairy tales and like old stories. And that's really his stock in trade. His, his real strength is taking kind of superhero tropes, but also taking the elements that make old stories good and applying those to the comic book milieu. So not just Hellboy, which the Hellboy comic, there's so many short stories within it where he's just encountering dragons or elves or old fairy tales that we're familiar with and sort of like working his way into them, but also like Japanese fairy tales, Irish fairy tales. Fairies um, in jars. Exactly. And these folk tales. Yeah. And myth- mythological creatures and sort of like finding himself in their world because they've intruded into our world and having to figure out how to get them out of our world, but using the rules of those stories. That's kind of what hellboy does in the comics so like if you're fighting an like if you're fighting a character from the world of fairy you can't just punch them you've got to use the rules of those stories just, to defeat them just pour grains of salt on the ground they have to count every single one yeah it's one it's one of the kind of things that he would do and so he's got this long coat that he wears it's his pockets are just full with like trinkets from every world mythology that he's constantly like digging through and having to figure out like which one he can use which amulet is is appropriate because in his world all mythologies are real and that's something that they kind of touch on in the movies but the movies are far more christian i think like the jar of fairies like the jar of fairies you see them but i think the movie focuses more on the catholicism aspect of yeah. it. like this is he's an intrusion into our world from the christian hell and whereas in the comics the hell is more just sort of hell like it's another dimension it's another world and although it looks like he's from space it does look like well the Andrew jihad are a whole other aspect of it which is why it's it sit, kind of sits uncomfortably if you try to make it just sort of a heaven and hell thing i guess you're familiar with the tv show supernatural mm-hmm. you're far more over than i am and it's kind of it kind of is the same thing like we're fighting monsters from all different mythologies. Yeah. Like, like there, there is heaven and hell, mm-hmm. but there's also the underworld. and Yeah, like in Supernatural, there's, um, there's heaven and hell, which are both relatively straightforward places. Hell and heaven don't really follow the same rules that our supposed heaven and hell do. Mm-hmm. But there's also other dimensions. Oz is real in Supernatural, like, the world of Oz. Like, oh, not not the the character from Buffy. No, um, <laughs> that'd I be wish. weird. That'd be weird if they were like, oh, and this one fictional character is real. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Dorothy though is real. She. Oh, really? Yeah, she's, I did not know we went that far. Yeah, um, that's. It's it's a really good episode. Um, yeah. Uh, but these places are just different dimensions. Like, sure, human souls get transported to heaven and hell when they die. Yeah. Um, and yes, it does kind of depend on who you were as a person, mm-hmm. but the demons from hell have the capability to take good people and put them in hell. Okay. Um, I, I could go on for a really long time about <laughs> well, this. Well, I guess what I was trying to establish was that like the Hellboy comics are in that same vein. Yeah. Like it's, it's, 
we're playing around with in different mythologies, but they're all they're all compatible. Like mm-hmm. they all exist simultaneously. They're all true. Um, and I think the movie of Hellboy filters it kind of a lot down to in like regards to the movie. I think it would be a bit difficult to just in one singular movie show. I totally agree. I <laughs> yeah. totally agree. Which is why the comics have a benefit of comics can be a lot can take a lot more time. Yeah, and can tell this story over many issues with diversions into other short stories like flashbacks and stuff. Like remember when we fought this thing? Remember when I had to deal with this? And the comic so. Just a little background. The Hellboy started in 1994. So 10 years before this movie came out, it had been running. This wasn't like a new flash in the pan thing they decided to adapt into a movie. This was a comic that had been around for a while in the, in the world of comics. And uh, It's a good movie. And as the story goes, it had been optioned for a movie, and Guillermo del Toro got wind of it. And he was the one who was like, I need to direct this movie. I love this comic. I'm a huge fan. I need to direct this movie. And... People had seen Blade 2 and they had seen his other work and thought, I think this would be a good fit. And Mike Mignola, who created Hellboy, had a big hand in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, And the story goes, and who knows how apocryphal it is. They both tell this story, but who knows how true, like how much it actually played out like this, that they were talking to each other and said, who do we want to play Hellboy? And they both just stared at each other. No one wanted to speak first. And be wrong about who they thought was the best actor, but they were both thinking Ron Perlman, and they both pretty much said Ron Perlman at the same time, and they were like, "It was pretty much the role that was created for him." Ron Perlman. Yes, he's a sweet, soft boy, and we love him. He's he, but he he captures that perfect. I'm uh, I'm powerfully built. I look like I'm made out of stone in real life, but I have this soft, like vulnerability like even in his bad guys like you 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 get the sense that he's a vulnerable guy like ron perlman (laughs) have you ever seen the movie the city of lost children no um we'll watch that one day i don't know if it's on our master list here but we'll watch it one day it's ron it's french film Mm -hmm. ron perlman it's from the guy who directed uh alien uh resurrection Mm -hmm. the fourth alien movie Yes, I like that movie. With Ron Perlman. No, don't judge me. <laughs> I like it too. Um, Ron Perlman's in that. He's he's a he's been in several of, uh, of the director's movies, and but Ron Perlman plays a large, like hulking guy yeah. who's very sweet, very gentle. And to me, that's the role that set him up to play Hellboy. Like you can play the Bruiser with the heart of gold. So um, that's just a little background. What's the face? Like the guy from Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to talk about sad movies right now. We're going to talk about happy movies like Hellboy. <laughs> it's the happiest movie. <laughs> Speaking of the Wizard of Oz, here, I'll, I'll cover up my copy of Rogue One so you don't have to look at it. There you go. That can be, now it can be any movie. <laughs> We're very emotional today. Um, so the movie Hellboy, we just reviewed it. Quick tip for those of you who are looking to review a movie without having to sit through the whole thing again. If you haven't seen a movie in a while, but you just want to like refresh your memory, put it on VLC Video Player and uh, watch it at seven times the speed <laughs> with the subtitles. You get that movie like you can rock it through a movie about fifteen we, minutes. We watched a two-hour movie in fifteen minutes. It's, it was awesome, but you have the subtitles, so you can follow. Yeah, so if you need to just quickly re- recap what happened in your favorite movies, watch them at seven times speed. So, Ollie, what is Hellboy about? So. Movie Hellboy starts in Scotland. On an island. On an island in Scotland. Why Scotland? Well, I think it's supposed to be like this mythic 
place that they've like that the Nazis have figured out is like a good place to build a portal. I think it's it's not symbolically important so much as like it's not an obvious place. Scotland, the place of myths. Yes. There's a lot of Scottish myths. Yeah, I know. I wasn't being sarcastic. <laughs> Scotland, portal to hell. <laughs> um, so it starts in Scotland. There's a group of Nazis and a group of American soldiers who are spying on the Nazis. Um, and the Nazis are doing this spell, this magical it's, ritual. It's like, the whole like technology meets magic thing. like Except for it's old technology. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's it's sort of this clockworky technology. This clockwork is going to be a big, tr- big, a big, big part of this. Big Guillermo del Toro ism. But the Nazis have partnered with Rasputin, mm-hmm. the Rasputin, like the the Rasputin who was supposedly killed in the Russian Revolution. What is he doing? He's the guy who's in charge of the whole thing. Yeah, he has magic. Mm-hmm. And they build this giant machine, like a big circular thing to build a portal yeah and he has a giant metal glove on raw yeah he's like in charge of this entire operation there's a woman there's clockwork man Mm -hmm. and so he there's he's doing this entire thing to open the portal to hell to start the apocalypse yeah it's kind (laughs) of uh you don't it's a little vague there but yeah they're opening the door to the other side Mm -hmm. um and the american soldiers are there hiding Really yeah. poorly, um, in my opinion. Um, and there's a professor with them who's like, we can't let him open this portal. It's the portal to hell and not good. Yeah. How does he know this? Well, he's done the research. That's why they brought him along. Yeah. Um, so they open the portal. Um, the American soldiers are like, oh, no. And they start fighting. Clockwork Man kills a bunch of people. Well, let's describe <coughs> Clockwork Man. His name is Cronin. We don't really know he's clockwork yet. But you don't see his face. Yeah. He's a character from the comic. He's very different in the comic. I think, in, I believe in the comic, he's just a guy whose face you don't see. Like, he's not as as bizarre and fascinating. There's, there are Nazis who are sort of semi-immortal in the comics as well. These characters, there's more of the, there's more of a central group. I have a question. Uh-huh. What is with the, like, media, try, like, doing these things where they make Nazis, like, immortal? Well... The Nazis, historically, um, not to get like too far out, out, out off the subject, but the Nazis did have a deep fascination with the occult and with connecting Nazism to this ancient magic that they thought existed and would help them get powers. They did have an occult wing. Like, there was a group of Nazis. So whenever you see these stories, these fictional stories about the Nazis opening portals to hell or, you know, using old magic, it's based somewhat in, I don't want to say fact, but in the Nazis' belief and stuff they were trying to do. They there There was enough of a wing of the Nazis, not necessarily Hitler, but some of Hitler's, like, right-hand men. Uh, who had their own personal interest in the occult and were trying to do things with the occult. So once that information got out, like writers, science fiction writers and horror writers kind of ran with it. And we're like, what if they had succeeded? Like, what if, what if they had, what if they had made it? Like, what, what if they had, you know, con- contacted these other beings? And then what would the Nazis be? So you're, when you, when you were like, well, why do we always see Nazis like being immortal and like coming back? Like, that's usually it. Like, it's connected to that old, that old story. Yep. <laughs> I just need a minute to process this information. <laughs> so the so the soldiers attack and there's a big fight. There's a big fight. There's um the professor gets knocked down 
the the machinery is damaged. The machinery is damaged. Um, Rasputin mm-hmm. gets locked in by the machine. Yeah, he gets sucked into the portal. But like, why didn't he just move? Because <laughs> uh, he's he's he was like strapped onto it. Like he was yeah. connected. So okay. he, he had this giant metal hand that he had built. And it was all connected with wires and tubes to this machine. Oh, so he right. was kind of stuck there. Um, but yeah, then he gets sucked into the portal. Which is an amazing scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's really cool. But since they, the Cronin, the clockwork man, supposedly gets killed, but then he disappears. Yeah. Um, the professor's on the ground. Mm-hmm. He's reaching for a grenade to... Let's just say that like the they the the Allied forces win, the mm-hmm. Nazis are defeated, and they think they've just they've destroyed the portal, but something did get out. Yeah, the person's like, uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Something got out. <laughs> so they go look for it and what do they find? A little little monkey man. A little monkey man. He is is a little boy, like a little toddler boy mm-hmm. who's red and, and CGI, like very yeah. much CGI. And has a big rock on his hand. Like a big yeah, a big hand made of stone. And they adopt him, and they call him... Hellboy. He's a little Hellboy. Oh, but the Babe Ruth bars. Right, right. They feed him Baby Ruth candy bars, which is kind of a thing, I guess. Like, they win his they win his trust by giving him chocolate. That's how you win everybody's trust. trust. <laughs> it's a good way to win someone's trust. Actually, no, don't do that. They'll either think you're creepy or trying to poison right. them. Just don't go, don't, do not go up to little boys with a chocolate bar and be like, come with me. Yeah. I will call you... Boy, I will call you boy related to where I found you. Don't do that. You will get arrested. If you're in a park. I will call you park boy and give you candies. You will get arrested. <laughs> um, they don't get arrested, though. Instead, the professor, Professor Broom. Um, Great name. 60 years later is the head of the BPRD, which is a branch of the government that fights monsters. Supernatural. Yeah. It fights supernatural. The entire TV show <laughs> supernatural. Can never win. I think he's been around forever. <laughs> And it will be. I think Supernatural has been on the air longer than I have been alive. No. No. <laughs> Was it like in its like 50th year? No. No. <laughs> the super, no. super boys are just keep cranking them out. Is it still on? Is yeah. it still being? Yeah. Wow. They, they say that they don't want to stop until like. Can't stop, won't stop. Not until season 20. Well, they're on season 13 now, I think. It's just kind of keep like it's been floating under the radar for like a long time, just like under the radar if you're an adult. Yeah, but you know, like it's not like you don't read stories about it. Like there's not like you just don't know where to look. Well, well, you can look. You can find stories about anything if you know where to look. But like <laughs> I'm saying is like you don't like the mainstream isn't like ooh the next season is starting and like ooh what's gonna like it's kind of just it has its following, it has its viewers, and like it's not going out of its way to like build up a new. Well, I mean, it doesn't need to. Yeah, it's 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 just sort of running along. Mm-hmm. Like Three's Company did, or MASH. It's a great show. <laughs> I recommend it. Um, so in any case, uh, the BPRD, which is straight from the comic books, the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense. Now, in the comic book... It's a place I want to work, basically. It sounds awesome. In the comics, it's very much just... The B, it's like it's a branch of the government and like they don't make a big deal out of it but it's there and they do things and when there's a problem they send their agents whoever to go solve it mm-hmm. investigate ghosts werewolves vampires wherever Fairies in jars and they've got some agents who are otherworldly mm-hmm. uh, because they are you know they they discover them along the way and they recruit them so we know hellboy is otherworldly mm-hmm. Are any of the other characters, or are they just like mutations? Okay, so let's look at who we have in the movie. So we know the Hell... So it's years later, Hellboy's grown up, and he is the beautiful Ron Perlman. 
He's a beautiful man. He is a beautiful man. He's red and beautiful. <laughs> and he walks around with his shirt off, but a fake chest. A fake chest. <laughs> like Ron Perlman spent six months training for this movie. And I think or a year. He spent a year training for this movie because he's like, I had to get beefy. But also, like, he's covered in, like, prosthetics. Like, so he's, you know, he's a beefy man, but he's also covered in beefy prosthetics. I mean, like, in order for the prosthetics to work, you kind of have to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to make him, you can't just paint a man red. Like, he would just look like a man. Like, he does look, he looks very comic booky. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks cool. Yeah. So Hellboy is uh, an agent of BPRD, but in the, in the movie, he's kind of their prisoner. We were talking about this. He's kind of treated yeah. like a teenager. Yeah. And nobody, knows about him yeah he's secret now in the comic and i don't, I don't want to spend this whole episode just like comparing the comic to the movie in the comic hellboy is just an agent of the bprd who just happens to be red who happens to be red he happens to have a tail he happens to be a demon but people know about him like he goes to site visits and interviews people and he's been doing this for 60 years like he's he's a known quantity and he still has the maturity of me. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, but in the comic, he's a little hes a little more just a guy. He's a man. Yeah. In the movie, they make him more like a hot-headed teenager. Um, like you. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to bust out of your room at night. You're too busy sleeping. Mm-hmm. Well. Or reading. Or crying. Or crying. Just like Hellboy. <laughs> um, you are the Hellboy of this house. No, no. I think that goes to Mitzi. Maybe. Sort of Liz Sherman of the house at times. Set things on fire. <laughs> so the characters are Hellboy, who is Hellboy. Um, Abe. Abe Sapien. My favorite character. Played by? Lanky Man. Lanky Man. I'm Doug never going to learn his name. Doug Jones, who is Lanky Man. He played one of the cockroaches in Mimic. And he now, put a cockroach in Mimic? He he, played, they yeah. weren't cockroaches. Well, you know what I mean. He played the roach <laughs> guy. He played the, the Judas bug yes. mutation. Uh, and now he's back in a real role. And he said this was an amazing experience because usually he was just playing a monster. And this time, like, he wasn't wearing a costume so much as prosthetics. And you could, like, see his face, basically. But However, guess what? You don't get to hear his voice. You don't get to hear his voice. <laughs> poor, poor Doug Jones. They pulled a Chewbacca on No, not a Chewbacca. Well, I mean, they kind of did pull a Chewbacca. They pulled a Darth Vader on him. David Prowse played Darth Vader and did not know he was going to be dubbed over by another actor and they did that to poor doug jones only this time you can actually see his mouth move Mm -hmm. and another voice is coming out which is really well done i have to admit oh yeah it's perfectly synced up but the guy who voiced him was just doing a doug jones he was just it was david hyde pierce uh from tv's frazier and they wanted a name playing the character doug jones was an unknown quantity to most people and so Doug Jones played the role, and then they had David Hyde Pierce come in and dub the voice of Abe Sapien. Doug Doug Jones is a, is a gentleman, and he he's never really complained about this happening. He's just he was like that's part of the deal. David Hyde Pierce though was so appalled at having to dub another actor's voice, like he didn't realize that was the thing. He when you usually if you come in to do a voiceover, it's like someone's been just sort of in a prosthetic suit, and I'm just get, uh, supplying the voice. This was he was actually like. Doug Jones had acted the role like and you saw his mouth moving and like saying the lines. And so David Hyde Pierce was like, this stinks. Like <laughs> as an actor, this stinks. So he did a Doug Jones impression. He basically just did Doug Jones's voice and refused to be credited and allowed his, allow his name to be on the poster or anything. 
And so it kind of backfired on the studio. They were like, well, we don't, we had to pay another actor. He's just pretending to be the other actor. <laughs> just use the actor. And we can't even bank on his popularity. Like, so when the sequel rolls around, they just let Doug Jones be Doug Jones. It is, he's awesome. He also plays Ape Sapien in a couple of cartoons they did at Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's perfect. He's a, he has a wonderful voice. But let's talk about Abe. Describe Abe. He's a cool underwater boy who has psychic powers. Unlike in the comics. Unlike in the comics. Also, he eats rotten eggs. Rotten eggs? And reads a lot of books. Mm -hmm. Basically me. So, yeah. So, Abe is is here. You asked if the characters are all, like, otherworldly or if they're mutations. Like... Because, like, Liz is obviously a human. Well, Abe was found in a canister. Like, they just tell the story in the movie. In the comic book, they flash back to it. They were, like, exploring underground, and they found this abandoned, like, lab. And in it was this glass canister full of liquid, and Abe was just floating in it. And he was – the date on the canister from when he was sealed in there was the date of Lincoln's assassination. Mm -hmm. So they called him Abe. Abe Sapien. And they called him Sapien because he's an ichthyosapien. But that's – literally all they know about him mm-hmm. like they don't know where he came from they don't know anything about his origins if you want to know his origins read the comic book and also the comic book abe sapien the series which is one of my favorite comic books of all time this the abe sapiens abe sapiens backstory the way they deal with it the way they handle it and it sort of co- it goes from the story, the pages of Hellboy up through the pages of the BPRD comic up through the pages of the Ape Sapien comic, like it's sort of like slowly doled out. You learn all about his history. And oh, good, where he I came like from. him. And it is a story in and of itself. Like it is tragic and frightening and terrifying and hilarious and weird. And so, to answer your question, is he otherworldly? Is he a mutant? He is all of those things and more. <laughs> like he is. He is a link to alien life. He is a link to otherworldly life. He is a link to magic. He is a link to mutation, like science. Like it's this weird thing. Also, he begins mutating even more later on in the comic and becomes less human than he already is. Like it's, so to answer your question, yes, he is an amazing character. I love Abe Sapien. I love him. But he's not psychic in In the the comics. He is psychic in the movie. Very much so when they need him to be. Yeah, he's got sticky fingers. <laughs> he has like these long webbed hands, which is cool. I like the entire like webbed hands like idea. Yeah. I don't know why. Just like the idea of like mermaids to me has always seemed really weird. Cause I'm like, why would they be like completely human on the top half and completely fish on the bottom half? That doesn't make sense. But I like the idea that the fish is sort of spread through them because they live underwater. Yeah, they're another kind of animal. Yeah, and like they, I like the mermaids that don't have noses because it does, doesn't make any sense. They have like gills. I'm sorry. So you like, so you like Abe Sapien. I like Abe Sapien. <laughs> um, I like the mermaids that don't have tails. I like the ones that have like webbed feet and like... <sighs> well, and Jones said that he had never played an underwater character before. This mm-hmm. was his first underwater character. So it was also like this delightful like new thing for him because he's a he is a mime and a physical actor and he, he creates characters who move in interesting ways and uh to watch the way he moves his arms as abe it's just very flowing the fingers and like even when he's above water he's like very fluid in his movements and like abe in the comics he gets hurt a lot in the movie and almost dies which happens in the comics quite a few times (laughs) 
Like you're like for some reason like watching a person with a fishy body get stabbed is like worse. It's that the way that skin just seems to puncture. Like this seems like uh also this is not a rated R movie. This is a PG-13 movie. So it's very bloodless. Um there's a lot of like action in it. There's blue blood. There's Abe's blue blood. blood. So they they really you're not going to see a lot of gore in this movie. Also we watched the director's cut, yeah. which I highly recommend. It's you very s- good. You see a lot you get a lot more backstory and it fleshes out a few of the characters a bit more. So there's Abe. Um also in the BPRD is Liz Sherman who she's shows up not she, in the BPRD. Well, she's yet. been in the BPRD. She shows up later in the movie and describe Liz. She's she looks exactly like a normal human lovely woman selma blair she's amazing yep and she can set things on fire with her mind (laughs) yeah in a in a far more tragic way than your than your human torches she is she killed every she killed her whole family accidentally when she was a little girl and she killed a bunch of other people yeah she like she like blew up her neighborhood when she was a little kid though and got taken in by the bprd who were all afraid of her because she could set them on fire (laughs) accidentally but it was only when she was, like, upset. And, like, so the first time you see her, Hellboy, is after Hellboy has defeated, or quotation marks, defeated, what is it called? The Sam- dog man. Samael. Samael, the dog man. Frog dog. The, the frog dog of restoration or whatever. <laughs> the frog dog of restoration. Yep. The hound <laughs> of restoration. The something of restoration. Res- uh, reser- resurrection, resurrection. <laughs> the frog dog of restoration <laughs> yes uh he he's beautifully done i love him samuel yeah he's is a cool creature amazingly done listen let me let me pause for one second to say that the creature effects in this and the makeup effects this is rick baker is a hollywood legend just created so many of your favorite monsters you can always kind of tell a rick baker creation they're a little cartoony and uh this is no exception like there's very something very like comic booky and sam Ael is this hellhound creature frog monster dog thing it's not really a frog monster in the movie yeah um it's sort of based a little bit on the frog monsters from from the comic book who are just called the frogs um but it's 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 definitely its own thing yeah and it's uh it's uh comes out of a, a reliquary that gets broken in a museum mm-hmm. that was released by the clockwork man Cronin. Yeah. Well, actually, it was released by the woman. Right, Ilsa, Ilsa Hopstein. So the two Nazis that we saw in the beginning are still alive. We know how clockwork man is alive. We don't know how the woman is alive. <laughs> um, we assume that they made a deal with Rasputin uh, for this eternal life. But they didn't get Rasputin back. I assume that it happened before. Because they were kind of his cronies back in during World War II. You see them in World War II. They resurrect him in the Antarctic. They find With him the in, blood of a random person. They get a guy to guide them to this place. They find this labyrinth. They kill the guy for Nazi gold. Like if you, if the Nazis ever like give you a bar of Nazi gold, you're about to get killed. Yeah, that's, that's just a good life lesson. <laughs> Don't accept gold from a Nazi. Don't the, accept anything from a Nazi. Nazi. Yeah, it's all bad news. Um, they kill him. His blood resurrects Rasputin. He's got something wrong with his eyes, though. They've got to give him some fake eyes because there's something dark behind his eyes. What did they do to your eyes? Yes. And uh, so uh, they find there's this this museum has been broken into. These ancient artifacts have been smashed. This monster has been released from one of them. Mm-hmm. And it's your favorite dog frog. Favorite dog frog. Um, the dog frog uh, 
fights Hellboy a lot. They have a lot of fights, a lot of punching. Well, I mean, there's like 600 of them by the end of the movie. Right. So, like, <laughs> so what happened is Liz Sherman, the firewoman, mm-hmm. is in this is in a mental. She's been with the BPRD in the past. She's left the BPRD. She's now in a mental hospital. I think to help her with her controlling power. Why did they? Why did they accept her? The hospital. Yeah. I think they can keep her like medicated. I think they can keep her. Like, she feels safe there. She doesn't feel safe with the BPRD. The BPRD is weird because, like, it's kind of the X-Men thing where, like, we love you. You're one of us. Also, we need you to go out and do all this dangerous stuff. And I think that Liz has enough. In the comics, she does this, too. She leaves the BPRD a lot. because she Not only because she doesn't feel she fits in, but it's a dangerous place. Yeah. Like, and they want her to use this power that she's not comfortable using. And so she's committed herself to this hospital. Well, Hellboy visits her at the hospital, like, and out front. she's not happy to see him. Yeah. Yeah. He, you get the sense that he's kind of into her. Obviously. In a very teenagery way. No offense to teenagers. I, not, no offense taken. He's smitten. He's smitten with her. He has a little crush. Yeah. She's probably also like the only like woman woman he gets to like spend any time, has gotten to spend any time with. Like, you don't see many other women around the BPRD. You don't see any other women around the BPRD, (laughs) actually. Like, again, in the comic, you see agents all over the place, men and women. Uh, of different racial backgrounds even and uh and this movie is pretty much a bunch of white guys yeah walking around um but yeah so he goes and visits liz in the hospital and uh he's trying to convince her to come back and she doesn't want anything to do with him she's like no yeah but she shows that she can control her power now right then rasputin visits her she explodes she explodes her fire is blue by the way yeah which means it's very hot very hot and it blows out the hospital so everybody in the hospital is dead i guess it's a little vague um but they convince her to come back to the bprd well let's talk about john myers john myers the most generic name for the most generic guy who wasn't from the comic they just add him to this movie kind of as an audience surrogate like that for those of you who don't know that means that like when they're worried that audience members won't accept the world of a movie you create a character who everyone kind of has to explain everything to. I feel like John Myers. Personally, I feel like he is an unnecessary character in this movie. He's got some cute scenes. He's he's well done. Like he's I like the actor who plays him well enough. Rupert Evans. Uh, Never heard of don't, him. I don't know Rupert Evans' body of work. Um, Rupert Evans, oh, John Myers, <laughs> is brought to the brought to the BPRD as a. Hellboy's babysitter. Yeah, basically. His nanny. Yeah, they want him to be the person who's his handler. I mean, if you got me a nanny, I would leave. <laughs> I'd be like, have fun. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, they need him to like watch Hellboy, make sure he doesn't try to escape. How is he supposed to stop Hellboy from escape escaping? They never tell him. <laughs> yeah, they bring so they bring this young guy in. Uh, he's a new FBI agent. Who just accepts that the world of monsters is real. Yeah, like again, like he's he's there just so they can be like, this is Hellboy, this is Ape Sapien. I'm Professor Broom, played by John Hurt. Um, John Hurt is dead. Yeah, he died recently. Um, the head of the BPR, not the head of the BPRD. There's Tom Manning, played by Jeffrey Tambor, who's kind of Professor Broom's like nemesis in the organization, um, and who doesn't like the fact that he doesn't like Hellboy. He doesn't like any of the monsters. He doesn't like anything pretty much he's he's kind of their public face though he's the one who has to go out on the news and like cover up all their activities he's good at what he does he's good at what he does and he's jeffrey tambor so he's fun to watch he's a delightful actor still hate his character yeah 
so much. But he changes. He softens in the course of the movie. He does. He he learns to appreciate Hellboy after they have a little fight Light this together. cigarette with a wooden match. It preserves the flavor. It's a cigar. Um, in any case, so this monster escapes from the from the museum. Or he they, they go into like the the subway. They fight. Hellboy kills it and kills it. And this essence comes out of it and splits into two. Hellboy got bit. And Hellboy got bit in the fight. And uh, he he you learn that he likes to do things alone, but John Myers ain't having that. <laughs> right. So John Myers has to babysit Hellboy, but Hellboy doesn't want someone watching and hanging tagging along. He does things on his own. That's how he says it. They find a bunch of uh they go down into the sewers and is this where Abe gets hurt? Because Abe is looking for the thing's eggs. The kittens. Well, we're all over the place. Um, so more or less what happens is the uh, this monster, Samael, can't be killed. Because uh, it'll, it'll, it's, the, it's the hellhound of resurrection. And Abe tells uh, Hellboy this through a headset. Yes. Uh, so if you kill it, two more will take its place. More or less. Yeah. It's, Rasputin does this somehow, like... And somehow this is in an ancient book. But, but also there's eggs. Like, Samael has laid eggs. Uh, Abe Sapien gets caught up underwater with a bunch of Samael's. He's got the kittens again. Well, we'll get to the kittens. Um, with a bunch of, there's a bunch of uh, Samael's running around. He gets caught by them. He manages to escape, but he's severely injured. Hellboy has a fight with Samael on the subway. Uh, he rescues a box of kittens because he loves cats. And the woman who's like, my kittens. Give me just, my kittens. Is just like, oh God, my kittens. I don't care about this giant <laughs> demon dog or you. Just save my cats. Yeah, there's this. So there's this weird thing in the movie where the BPRD has to remain secret for some reason. Like, I guess to keep the for, keep the world from freaking out that there's monsters in the world. I feel like it would be easier to just be like, yes, monsters exist. But everyone keeps seeing Hellboy, so Manning's job is to cover it up. But after a while, you're like, dozens of people saw a monster fighting a red man in the subway with a box of cats. With a box of cats, like they were very involved in this. Eventually, you're just like, no, there's Hellboy. Like, Hellboy's like kind of an urban legend in the movies. There's comics about him. There's comics. There's Weekly World News reports about him. In the comic itself, this isn't an issue. Again, there's just the BPRD. Not everyone knows about it because not everyone cares about it. Like, eventually, everyone does know about it because monsters are on the loose and you can't hide them. Like, the comic's very open about the fact that now monsters are on the loose everyone knows that there's monsters we're not trying to hide this we're just trying to clean up the mess the whole like like oh if we there are monsters we're going to keep them secret weirds me out because i'm like people would be so much safer if you told them them and gave them the proper precautions to take exactly i read an entire book about this it was called um i can't remember what it's called there was a great book i read about about human beings dealing with catastrophe i think it may have been called catastrophe um and how we try so hard to protect people from worrying that we don't protect people, that we don't give people the tools to protect themselves. So they say that like in an airplane, when you're given the, the safety lecture at the beginning, they, they say like, when the mask comes down, put it over your mouth, and before you, you know, give it to the person next to you, yada, yada, yada. And, but they found that like, that is a very ineffective way of teaching people what to do in case of catastrophe. Mm-hmm. It'd be better if they gave people all the information, which is that when a plane decompresses, you have 30 seconds before you lose consciousness. Therefore, but they think if they say that, people will panic. Whereas it's been proven that if you say, like, here is what will happen to you if you don't do this, 
the people will be like more likely to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. It's true. Like, I think if you just told people, okay, there are monsters in the world. Here's the video. Here's the monsters. We've got it under control, but here's, here's who you call if you see them. Here's what to do if you see them. I think that's a better way of dealing with it. Because, yes, you cannot stop a human being from worrying. Right. You literally cannot. And if you just lie to them, they're not going to trust you to mm-hmm. protect them. And that's going to make them worry even more. And then they're all going to die. Right. Because they don't know what to do. So if they got on TV and were like, okay, there are these creatures called Samael's running around. Do not engage with them. If you see them, they are practically unkillable. Uh, if you see them, contact the BPRD. We'll send out people to come take care of them. If people are like, what is that? What is what's going on? Just say like, you know, like we don't have to, they don't have to explain all the ins and outs of them, but just say like, there are these creatures. Do not get bit. Just don't get bit. Don't go near them. If you see them run away, don't try to shoot at them. They can't be killed with guns. Leave them alone. But instead there's this whole, like, we got to keep them secret. And to me, that's one of the, it needlessly complicates the story of Hellboy. Like it adds a layer to it. Just like to me, John Myers does. It adds length to it and a layer to it. And then we start getting into a love triangle. <laughs> so John uh, John gets sent to bring back Liz to the, yeah, uh, BPRD. the BPRD. This is while Hellboy is out fighting mm-hmm. the Samuels underground. John is recruiting Liz back into the thing. And they kind of fall for each other. Does I don't think Liz falls for anybody. Well... I think at this point she doesn't really care. She's happy to have someone to talk to. Especially somebody who's not uh, what she calls a freak. Right. She wants to be around people who are just normal people. She considers herself a freak. She just wants to be around non-freaks. And John is that. He's just a nice guy. And they spend time together. He obviously gets a big crush on her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Um, they go In out. five minutes. She takes pictures of him. Um they tool around in a car. They go out on a date, kind of, like a coffee date. Hellboy's not happy. Hellboy's not happy. So what happens is down in the sewers, Hellboy has has defeated the Samuels, kind of, quote-unquote, killed Cronin. Cronin, he's the clockwork man. He undoes his clockwork and pretends to be dead. Um, this is where you start really figuring out this guy is not, not human, human at all. <laughs> um, so so they, he didn't have to ask for immortality. So they take the they take Cronin back to uh, to the BPRD base mm-hmm. to dissect him. Uh, we get a wonderful as PG thirteen as you can. The professor has liver cancer. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> so uh, they're dissecting Cronin, and you find out this guy is mostly sand. <laughs> like I still think he would be better as some sort of gelatin. <laughs> yeah, this guy is oh. There's a wiggly wobbly woobly character in Hellboy, not in the movies, in the comic book. You get a guy who doesn't have joints, who's basically a big wiggly woobly man. It's all it's all air, but uh, that he he he's actually in the sequel, but they 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 don't do him all wibbly woobly. So sorry, but we'll deal with him in Hellboy too. Again, they take a, a wonderful character in the comic, make him a completely different character in the in the movie, but keep some of his coolness, but not as much of his coolness. But in any case, um, wibbly woobly man. So Cronin is there. Uh, they're dissecting him. They realize that this guy is just pretty much clockwork and sand held together by sheer force of the will. The professor's taken his key out, and he has a key that he uses to wind himself up, um, which 
leads me like there's some weird like logical stuff in here like he undo he unwinds himself to be dead he gets taken back to bprd the professor of room takes the key out sets it aside he's unwind, but then he gets up like i don't really understand how cronin works like you think that he has to keep winding himself but then he unwinds himself the key gets taken out and then he just walks around i'm sure that there is some part of him that doesn't work when he's unwound like maybe he unwinds him maybe like he has vitals and when he unwinds himself he doesn't i guess it just says that you know he just wakes up but he wakes up in the bprd headquarters which somehow lets rasputin into the bprd headquarters we don't really Why didn't rasputin just come go to in? the bprd yeah. headquarters um they kill professor broom they show professor broom here's what we're doing we're trying to bring back the Agdru Jihad, which, okay, so <laughs> I just realized that this movie is complicated. Like, this is there's a lot of lore in this movie yeah. that gets described. It gets covered really well. There's a lot of exposition. They do a pretty good job. So there are these ancient gods, these Lovecraftian gods called the Agdru Jihad, mm-hmm. and there's a number of there's like seven of them, I think. They're, they're like Cthulhu. Yes, they're all like a bunch of like weird Cthulhu-like creatures. They're up in the heavens, trapped in these crystals. Rasputin wants to revive them to destroy the world for reasons, bad guy reasons. He believes that he will reign. I've never understood bad guys who want to destroy, destroy the, the world because they live on the world. So Rasputin was sucked into the world of the Audrey Jihad accidentally. He's come back. He's been resurrected. There is something wrong with him. There's something wrong with him. Hellboy is the key to the Audrey Jihad. Literally the key. He has, if you remember from the beginning... Rasputin had built himself a gigantic robot hand. If you look at it, it looks just like Hellboy's right rock, hand of rock doom, hand. his rocky hand, um, which is I think it's his right hand in the comic. It's his left hand in the movie because uh, because the uh, Ron Perlman is left hand, is right handed, so he can't be left handed. Like so, they had to switch sides. Also, because the left hand is the hand of the Satan. <laughs> right. It's but in any case, this hand is actually a key. Hellboy is from hell. He's a demon. He shaves He shaves his horns off. Does that hurt? I don't think so. I think it's just like a fingernail. I think it's just... Okay. It's just keratin. Um, he needs Hellboy to unlock the gate that will release the Agdru Jihad. Because Hellboy is actually a demon. Like, we can't forget that. He's yeah. literally a demon from hell who just happened to be raised by good people. Yeah um still kind of a jerk right but there's this he gives before so rasputin is in the vprd headquarters he gives professor broom a vision of what's going to happen to the world which is the Audru jihad will be released mm-hmm. hellboy will have regrown his horns have the crown of hell on his head and will reign over human beings we presume we don't somehow the Audru jihad are destroying the earth hellboy is also the king also rasputin somewhere involved in all this plus nazis like it is that weird thing you said like why what makes you think you're going to reign or have any power in this world it's vague and it's vague in the comic too it gets explained a lot better but again many 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 issues to like deal with this the Audru jihad stopped being quite a presence in the comic and then other creatures like the Agdru Jihad sort of start taking their place. It's fascinating, and there's the frogs, and I'll just say that, spoiler alert, in the comics, the world does pretty much end. You spend a lot of time in a world that is fighting 
old gods that have returned. They can't hide it in the comic. There are monsters literally everywhere eventually. Imagine if that happened now. Well, how would the government explain it? They don't. In the in the comic book, the government's like, we don't have to explain anything. There's literally a monster the size of a city that is just destroyed like Denver. Like, and it's just sitting there now. We killed it, but its body, like there's just corpses of monsters, giant mountain-sized monsters all over the place in the comic books. How would you react if this happened IRL? I'd be like, I'm shutting down. <laughs> I'm literally just shutting myself down. I'm done. I'm done with the world. Sorry, kids. Same, actually. Um, in the comic, they just, people just try to live their lives. They try to. They try to. It's kind of like when your when your country has been attacked and is in war. Like you try to find, like safety and sanity, like within this. Like, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about the comics, but if you if you get a chance to read Hellboy, read Hellboy, read BPRD, read Ape Sapien, read Lobster Johnson. Like the, all the comics tie in. It's a it's a vast mythology. Speaking of comics, read Squirrel Girl. Read Squirrel Girl if you're at it. If you have time after reading all these <laughs> Hellboy comics. Um, in any case, where were we? Uh, I have no idea. So you see this vision of the future. The world's being destroyed. Cronin uh, kills Professor Broom. Uh, Hellboy is spying on Liz and Agent Myers who are having a little date uh, when the BPRD shows up to say that. But then the boy. We have to talk about the boy. I don't want to get, we are running so long. I don't want to talk about Hellboy, the boy. Hellboy meets a little boy on the roof of a building while he's trying to spy on Liz and Professor, and Agent Myers. And he and the little boy have this like sort of like nice conversation about girls. Which is weird because Hellboy is supposed to be a secret. Hellboy is supposed to be a secret. And but, this kid is just like, okay, this is normal. Well, I, think, I think it's that thing where like you've, the boy knows, the little boy knows who Hellboy is. Again, there are Hellboy comics in the Hellboy world. So he's meeting kind of a superhero and it's kind of cool. Like it's a little fanboy thing like he's trying to give his idol relationship advice yeah it's cute it's a cute little scene yeah um and it humanizes hellboy a lot more um the bprd show like this is a good thing the bprd shows up everyone finds out that professor broom has been killed there's a funeral scene hellboy can't attend the funeral because again he's supposed to be in the shadows um but professor broom is like his father Mm -hmm. is one thing we haven't really touched on professor broom was basically raised hellboy and in the comics professor broom gets killed early on Really early, really on. early on, but you don't get to see like their relationship. That's all told in later comics. You see, there's a lot of Hellboy comics take place in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s. Like you get a lot of his adventures because you can, because there were a ton of adventures, and you kind of get to learn how he grew up with this professor. Like, oh, like over time, you learn that, like, oh wow, they really did it. But in the movie, they really show you. They they lean a lot more. He's my son. He's my father. Um, yeah, like when he's dying, like. Uh, Rasputin's like call him by his real name and the professor's like I will always call him my son yeah it's it's a big deal um he's Hellboy gets his professor's rosary again there's a lot of Catholic imagery in this as there is in a lot of of Guillermo del Toro's movies um it's you you really rest on this whole like the idea of the world is governed by the forces of good and evil um it's not really like there's a lot of Catholic imagery. And when I say Catholic, I mean not just like in the church, I mean in the sense that that the Christian church and Christ and heaven and hell are things that you can understand and follow rules. Like when I say Catholic, I don't just mean like people who go to church. I mean like in the sense that the the church and belief and faith is something you can quantify and that follows its own internal rule system um that kind of catholicism and 
that Hellboy is there's an irony in that Hellboy is a demon from hell who is religious and is Catholic, especially in the movie. Um, so that's something to hold on to. Like uh, Cronin, uh, that broom has a rosary and it gets passed on to Hellboy. Um, and but that's that comes later. Um, so they go to Russia where they where, go to Moscow. They go to the Moscow. And Don't ever call it Moscow again. Moscow is a is 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 a legit pronunciation. Some people say Moscow. Um, they find the mausoleum. They find the, we're gonna have to go through here. They find yeah. a dead body that 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 Hellboy resurrects to point them to. Uh, he carries the dead body on his back to point them in the direction of where they need to go to find the lair of Cronin's lair. They get split up. They get split up uh, by like so. You're underground. There is lots of clockworkery and lots of like booby traps. And There's a cute scene between crazy old man and hellboy yep um the corpse gets sent to its final grave um they find cronin's lair uh they get split up so wow okay they fight cronin uh who is the clockwork man and by they we mean hellboy and whatever his name is tom manning the guy who hates hellboy uh who okay let's let's say it out of the way Tom Manning is kind of a bad guy in this in this movie. He's not as much a bad guy in the comic. He's just sort of a curmudgeon in the comic. He really dislikes Hellboy, even though now that Broom is dead, he's the head of the BPRD, and he's still trying to tell Hellboy what to do. He's he's kind of an antagonist. He's not he's not a bad guy. He just wants to do things his way. He doesn't understand. He and Hellboy are very similar in the way yes. that they work. Yes, very true. <laughs> Which is not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, I guess if we're looking at Hellboy as a teenager, it would be, it's sort of like Broom dies and Manning steps in. He's kind of the stepfather figure. He means well. He doesn't understand this kid. Um, he doesn't know how to relate to him. He just wants to tell him what to do. And that's not a good way to like fill in. That's not a good way to take over. Like there's no understanding there. He doesn't give uh, Hellboy the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't understand that he has strengths that he hasn't seen yet. And there's, so there's a fight with Cronin, and Manning gets injured, and Hellboy saves his life. Manning saves Hellboy's life. Well, they sort of save each other's <laughs> life. They, they say, like, so Hellboy, uh, there's a, a pit opens up. Hellboy falls, but manages to catch himself before he falls on these spikes. Cronin's about to cut the rope when Manning throws... A gear at him. Clockworkery at him. <laughs> throws all these clockwork gears at him. Uh, gives him enough time for Hellboy to get loose. Uh, knock Cronin to the pit of spikes and then drop a, a giant gear a on giant him. Giant gear on him. It's like it's like here is your Guillermo del Toro. I'm going to throw some Guillermo del Toro on you. Here's the <laughs> ultimate clockwork curry, clockwork man, crushed by your own inner workings. And I guess he's not dead, but he's crushed forever. Like he can't. He's not strong enough to lift this giant gear. Like maybe he is dead. I mean, all of his sand ran out. I like to believe he's still conscious and just like there. He's a Nazi. He's like the ultimate that's, immortal Nazi. Like let the, let the immortal Nazi suffer for suffer eternity. for eternity under a giant gear. Like who cares? Who cares? Other um, Nazis. Other Nazis are like Mur. I don't know if Nazis cry for each other. Can they? They cry tears of sand. Okay, so it gets really complicated. Hellboy really gets captured. He gets overwhelmed by Samael's. Yeah, all these Samael's. Everyone always... gets overwhelmed by the Samael's. What Everyone... happened to Manning? Did he die? Liz uses her pyrotechnic powers to incinerate the Samuels. Um, the only people who live, Manning is still in this underground lair. Hellboy goes on because Manning's hurt. Right. Hellboy goes on. 
everyone gets caught up in the incineration fire of Liz's, which she uses to kill all the Samael frog monsters and all their eggs. And somehow Myers is alive. Because the eggs are hatching. More Samuels are coming. Myers somehow survives the incineration because he's pure of heart. <laughs> okay, so again, another thing. We, we learn that, that Myers is important to the mission and to the story because in all these great stories, there's a pure-hearted knight. Like the knight who loves the lady and is he's like, I'm not pure of heart. And Abe is like, yes, yeah, you are. Yeah, so yeah, you are. <laughs> Abe Sapien's out of the story because he's injured. But he's still psychic and he still can cool. read people. And he's still cool. He's in his little back to tank healing up. But we learn that Myers has to be there because he is the he is the good knight who not like good knight, but like he's the good knight. I know. <laughs> who, who has to be there to Okay, so in the stories of chivalry and knighthood, knights represent uh purity and also Jesus, basically. Even though they were pretty terrible people. Uh, in, historically, yes, they weren't the greatest people. But in tales of chivalry, there's the pure-hearted knight. There's like your, uh, King Arthur. And your Galahads, who are like the virgin, who are the uh, they they cannot be they cannot be tainted by. They are evil. the Lancelots. So it makes sense that Myers can't be killed by the by the cleansing fire because he has nothing to cleanse. He is pure, and even though biologically that doesn't make sense. Hellboy is a story all about stories. It's magic. In magic. But again, it will follow the rules of a story. And I love that that's kind of a thing that like these characters have to follow the rules of the stories that they are in. That's a very in the 1980s in comic books. We had Alan Moore show up. We had Neil Gaiman show up later on. We had Mike Manola show up. Um, these were all writers who were very much about stories about stories. And they sort of kicked off, in a way, that whole, like, trend of, like, we are living in a story. And as we tell these stories, we obey the rules of stories. And Guillermo del Toro is very much in that mold. And so I think that Myers wasn't killed by the fire because he's too pure. And, uh, again, cleansing fire, nothing to cleanse. Hellboy can't be killed by fire because he's from fire. Uh, he is from hell. And But they're captured, and Hellboy is trapped in a yoke. Myers is handcuffed handcuffed to a bunch of grenades or something liz is knocked unconscious and completely we, naked she's covered in a thing though this isn't like she's not shown naked she's covered in a but blanket. we know that they took her clothes off yes. she's covered which in is blanket. uncomfortable uh, or maybe they were burned off in the fire then why weren't they burned off in any of the other previous fires it's not a sexual thing though like there's, yeah. there's nothing there's nothing icky about it in that way yeah like they don't it, trust me there's nothing there this whole movie is about as chased as you can possibly get like there's not even like there's there's slight romance but it's very like this is an action movie adolescent romance but like you know blade 2 had romance it did well you know he felt that he there was a kind of a romantic thing between him and oh. the woman at the end i just thought they respected each other <laughs> they do but like you know like there's in that kind of romance but uh yeah. Uh, this is a very chaste movie and but liz is covered she's it's very modest mm -hmm. like you know that she doesn't have clothes on but it's not like she has very nice... The camera doesn't linger over her. It's yeah. not like... It doesn't make a big deal out of it. She has nice shoulders. She has nice shoulders. It's Selma Blair who is... She's done with the world. She always looks done with the world. Me. <laughs> and uh, Rasputin steals her soul to get her powers or something. Um, he he's like, I, I, you know, she's done. She's doomed. If you don't use your right, your hand of doom to unlock the door... I will kill her. I'll kill her. So Hellboy's like, fine. He says his name um his horns grow back he unlocks the first of the gates 
the Aju Jihad break out of their prisons. There's they, a moon thing. Their te- they, the moon goes red as blood. Their tentacles start coming out of the sky. And it all has to happen now because there's an eclipse or something. Right. Yeah, I don't know. And <laughs> Myers is like, Hellboy, no, I'm still alive. They let me live for some reason because I'm too pure because I'm the one who has to bring Jesus back into your life. He throws the rosary. <laughs> Hellboy catches the rosary. It burns a cross on his hand. Hellboy remembers who he is. Again, very Catholic. Not like Jesus is the way so much as remember that you were raised to be a good person. And this is like a symbol of... And Myers is like, your father gave you a choice. Yes. And Rasputin's like, no, he didn't. This is your, this is what you have to do now. Yeah. And it breaks it all down very much in like, you. it's one of those like, You're, you can be who you choose to be. And it's kind of when you realize that Rasputin doesn't have any power here. Like, it was all about breaking Hellboy down into real into thinking he had no options which is kind of that a cool villainy thing like it's not about like opening portals to another world it's about breaking your hero down until they think they have no choice but to do the wrong thing but myers is there to say you always have a choice like you always have a choice and don't let them break your spirit you always can do the right thing even at your lowest point you can still do the right thing and hellboy does he breaks his horns off it sends the Agdru Jihad back into their crystals, I guess. Like, they just go away. And uh, Rasputin is... Um, Pissed. Stabbed by a horn. He stabs Rasputin with one of his horns. And uh, that's not the end, though. No. Because remember the whole time that Rasputin had something going on behind his eyes? Well, one of the Agdru Jihad had possessed his body while he was in their world. And we get a pretty cool... Bohemoth. But but we have to talk about the woman. Ilsa. Yeah. Ilsa. What happens to Ilsa? She knows that he's possessed and she goes over to him and lays with him. Right. And doesn't come out the better for it. She gets smooshed. She's still a Nazi. <laughs> yep. She gets smooshed by a beast for her for her love. There's a giant monster that Hellboy fights. Which he... Very HP Lovecraftian. It's a very Lovecraftian monster. Um, We were talking about this before the show, which is that in Mignola's world, and also in this version of Hellboy, once a monster is there, like, no matter how ancient the god or how, like, otherworldly it is, you can still shoot and blow them up. Like, once you've manifested yourself in our world... You're boned. You're boned. You're vulnerable to our physics and to biology. Unless you are a vampire with a case over your heart that's a totally different universe (laughs) though that's not that's not the hellboy universe um there's vampires in hellboy and uh they're dealt with the way vampires are dealt with uh he fights the monster by getting eaten by the monster with a bunch of grenades which is something that is very common in movies yeah yeah fight him kill him from the inside uh the monster blows up hellboy is fine he uh liz wakes up I think that's because when the monster blows up, her soul gets released from it. Because otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. Well, he says, she's like, how did you how'd you wake me up? And he said, basically, he threatened hell that if you don't let her soul go, I'm going to come back and get it. And they're like, here you go. Uh, <laughs> they kiss. Hellboy is consumed in Liz's fire, but it doesn't burn him. And Myers is just like Myers third is, wheeling. Yep. Myers is just like. And he has this little like weird narration at the end where he's like, "It's not what he does; it's how he ends it." Yeah, like who's what's what makes a man a man? It's not who he 
he is it's who he does or something <laughs> 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 and it's basically it's basically agent meyer saying goodbye audience you'll never see me again i like to think that he was so done with all the bs involved in this job that he's had for a day that he was like i'm out you find out you find out what happens to him in the next movie i think he just gets reassigned like he gets reassigned, reassigned. meaning he's like Either you reassign me, or I'm telling the world. <laughs> Again, though, he, as a, as a, as a function in a story, he's fulfilled his purpose. Mm-hmm. He has uh, done his job. He's acted as the White Knight, and now he can move on to a different story. This was the story of kind of Hellboy. Again, if you compare it to the comic, it's very different. Um, talking my way through it, though, I think I like it more now. Like, I think it makes a little bit more sense. Uh, what do you think of the movie Hellboy? I like it. I've liked all the movies so far. So far, yep. And I say so far because next movie is a different movie. <laughs> this so let's look at Hellboy though. We have like the clockworkery and magic of Kronos. We have the action and lore of Blade Two, and we have like the the underworld exploration and monsters of Mimic and um, the supernatural of the Devil's Backbone and the things in the things in jars. Things in jars, the devil's backbone. Not so much devil's backbone. It's very personal, but, this, but like those three like aesthetics kind of get wedded into Hellboy, um, and I think that it when when uh, Tim Burton it was announced Tim Burton was doing Sweeney Todd, everyone said this is perfect, a perfect venue for Tim Burton's vision and marriage of story. I thought it was a little too on the nose. I was like a little too perfect for me, and I didn't care for Sweeney Todd that much. When this came out, I also thought. Guillermo del Toro and Hellboy is almost too perfect. Like, it's too on the nose. And I still feel that way a little bit. I still feel like there's their they are their visions, they both have such strong visions that I kind of wish that someone else had done Hellboy and let a little bit more of the the comic of Hellboy come through instead of Guillermo del Toro's own personal strong vision coming through so much. I'm a little more comfortable with it now. I don't know. I love it. I think it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's one of the problems with being as big a Hellboy fan as I was in the beginning. Like, like before the movie came out, I loved the comics. I was really into it. So I have trouble, like, splitting, seeing them as two separate worlds. But I think I'm, having talked my way through it, I think I'm a little bit better at it now. I think it's great. You think it's great? You're like, I have no problems with this. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some of the Guillermo del Toroisms in it. Clockwork. Clockwork. Things coming out of holes. Things coming out of holes. Underworld. And my things coming out of holes. I mean, there's the sewer scene. They pull things open, and rats what? just spew out. Was it rats? Or those roaches. I thought it was rats because they were big, and it was from a distance. <laughs> <laughs> things come spilling out. Um, the flawed, the monster hero, the hero who is a monster who is flawed and can't deal with their own like insecurities and like that whole like the weird quirky like oh this person is kind of weird the pancakes cats the cats yep um ron perlman ron perlman uh is he a del toroism he is a del toro he's a embodiment of a del toroism <laughs> um the first, but, if i ever meet him that's the first thing i'm gonna say to him let's talk about cronin though the clockwork of carl rup direct cronin he is from the comics um but he's just a guy he is, yep, he's a member of the comics, the Thule Society. He's one of the top scientists of Project, it was called Project Ragnarok, the uh, the thing that was supposed to bring about the end of the world for the Nazis. They went into Norse mythology? Yeah. Oh, the Nazis were all about Norse mythology. Okay. The Nazis, 
symbolism. They used they used Nordic runes. Um, the SS symbol was an ancient rune. Um, well, even the the swastika was a corruption of a of, of an ancient symbol. I thought that was Buddhist. Well, the, the 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 notion of a twisted cross is present among across many uh, many uh, beliefs. It's a very simple Ill- Im- image to draw. So you know the the notion of like a cross that has been like twisted on its axis uh, means many different things um, and. So the Nazis, they stole that. But uh, so it was Project Ragnarok. In the comics, uh, Cronin was um, frozen with Ilsa and them. They were they were preserved, and then they came back. Um, they were uh, – it's like what people think Walt Disney would did to his body. Cryogenically frozen? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so they're frozen in a Nazi base. Um, they get revived. So Rasputin in the comics is a lot more henchmen, mm-hmm. uh, not just Ilsa and Cronin. Um, there's like a guy who's literally like a head in a jar who creates like bodies for himself. There's like, it, there's like all these different characters who sort of come together to make Cronin, like all their weirdness and quirks and eccentricities. Uh, but he's, yeah, he's just a guy with a mask on in the comics. And, uh, but in the movie, he's an awesome Guillermo del Toro creation. He's got like blades that come out of his like arms that he fights with. He's, he winds himself up. He's full of sand. He's kind of a robot. His like his movements are very Blade Two like break in scene. You're right. Yeah, like the, when the when the ninjas break into Blade's headquarters, they flip flop all around, and so does he. Like, cause but you, he's more he's like a like a clockwork man. Like he can bend backwards, and do, I wish there had been more of it. Like his like weird like he's he should not, have gotten a contortionist to play him. They may have. I don't know who played his physical body in the movie. Um, who created him? The Nazis <laughs> or himself replaced himself um he's got quite an extensive biography for the movie that was related in like a book about the movie it says that uh he basically started like replacing parts of his body with like clockwork parts and then Um, filled himself with sand yes because what else are you gonna do um he but uh i really love the way cronin functions in the movie yeah as he's one of the more interesting i think he's more interesting honestly than rasputin rasputin doesn't do much he can't do much he's just a wizard he's a old blind man yep and uh with as we know, old blind men can actually do quite a lot. <laughs> if you want to know more about Rasputin in the in the uh, Hellboy universe, he's throughout. He he pops up throughout the comics. He's weak. He's, he's just a weird old cracked magician. Yeah, the comic goes into like uh, the Baba Yaga a lot. Uh, she's a she's a she's a player in the comics. And Who, which one's that from? The Baba Yaga. That's Russian and right. like Eastern European uh, mythology. She flies around. She has her chicken house. Yeah. And uh, her she flies around in a mortar and a pestle. She's a big. She's a she's a major player in Hellboy for a while. And uh, I think you told me a story about her once when oh, I was yeah. little. Yeah, I used to love telling stories of the Baba Yaga. She was a, she's a fascinating character folklore. Sometimes an evil witch. Sometimes a sympathetic character. She's complex, multi layered. Um, but again, the comics go into a lot more mythologies than this. I love Hellboy. I love. The movie, not as much, but I have a deeper respect for it than I used to, as I keep saying. Um, again, if you're going to watch it, I recommend the director's the cut. director's cut. You get about 20 minutes more movie, I think, and and more story, more story, a little more background, a little more character development, and you get more Ron Perlman, which is never a bad thing. Never a bad thing. Um, he's brilliant. He's, he's so good in this role. He's amazing. Um, if you loved Hellboy, if you enjoy watching the movie, there are two animated. Uh, versions that use most of the cast of the movie which i've seen both of mm-hmm. um sort of storms and uh, i can't remember the other one the other one has about vampires um 
But uh, they're not easy to get your hands on, but they're out there. Uh, they're on DVD. They were straight to DVD. They were going to make more, but they uh, they weren't popular. Like, no one no one liked them. Like, not liked them, but no one bought them. Like, it just wasn't. This movie, though, did pretty well. Um, this was a major success. Right off, the, right off Blade 2, this was two major successes for Guillermo del Toro. It gave him a lot more sway in Hollywood. It gave him a lot more clout and l- paved the way for his next movie, a far more personal fantasy, but a far more distressing fantasy. Uh, next time we talk, we are going to be discussing Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth, a dark, dark fantasy. Doug Jones is back. Doug Jones is back. Doug pretty, Jones is back. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much uh, the only. Uh, he plays two characters. He plays two characters. Uh, he, he's pretty much the only returning player because the next movie is all in Spanish, uh, deals again with the Spanish Civil War. Uh, it deals again with the impact of war on children and deals again with the impact on war on morality and mortality and and more myths and more mythology. It, this So we're following the career of, of Guillermo del Toro. We are now going to get to see the themes of the devil's backbone, but also the themes of monsters and underworlds and what stories mean to us and what monsters really mean in our world and how... Are monsters just monsters, and are they not human? And is the world a fair place for children? No. (laughs) No, it's not. The world isn't fair for children. Um, So, yes, we're going to be watching and reviewing and discussing uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, Are you looking forward to it? No. No? (laughs) It's a a rough one. I I, I cried the first time I saw it. I cried the first time I saw it, too. It's a tough, tough movie, but we'll get to that. The emotional fallout. Uh, so join us next time. I am Phil. And I'm Ollie. And we'll see you when it's Del Toro time. Del Toro time.